and welcome in. Thanks for joining us for another Wednesday edition of the Prairie and Smith podcast. It's a great day to talk some Sunbelt football, but before we do, we wanted to remind you to go back and listen to our last episode where Kate and I spoke with new Coastal Carolina head coach Tim Beck. Today on episode 78 of the show, we're excited to welcome one of the flashiest additions to the Sunbelt this offseason in Texas State head coach G.J. Kinney. To the Frary and Smith podcast, Caden, I know you're a defensive guy, but the offensive prowess of G.J. Kinney and some of his previous teams has you marveling. It definitely does, and I think all of the Sunbelt defenses are going to be on notice if they see some of the production and some of the things he was able to do at Incarnate Word. And even that defense, too, at Incarnate Word as well did some special things. So very excited for him to hopefully make a stamp on this conference and make some noise this season in his debut at Texas State. Yeah, he definitely could. GJ was named the 21st head coach in Texas State history back on December 2nd. He comes to San Marcos after a record-breaking season leading Incarnate Word to the semifinals of the FCS Football Championship. Uh, GJ, when you go all the way back, was a standout quarterback at Tulsa before embarking on a five-year NFL and CFL journey. After his playing days, G.J. Kinney has served in various roles, ranging from an offensive assistant for the Philadelphia Eagles in 2019 to head coach at Incarnate Word and now at Texas State. Caden, he's worked with some of the industry's top offensive minds. You might recognize some of these names, Doug Peterson, Gus Malzahn, Mike Norvell, Chip Kelly, some blue chippers when it comes to the offensive side of the football. Last year, his Incarnate Word team parlayed an up-tempo, high-flying offensive attack uh, to an average of 52.9 points per game and 580 yards of total offense. Caden, that has to make your defensive ears a little nervous, uh, both of which led the NCAA Division I in football across FCS and FBS. Due to his team's success, Kenny was a finalist for the Eddie Robinson Award given out to the top coach at the FCS level. Caden, we both really enjoyed this conversation with G.J. Kinney. Give our listeners a quick preview of what they're going to hear from G.J. in this interview. Yeah, it was great listening to Coach Kinney and how his journey and processes and how he's going about building up this program and how he's establishing his culture and how he's getting people from the transfer portal. It's just a lot of exciting things going on right now at Texas State on both sides of the ball. We obviously talked about some exciting transfer portal additions and, of course, got into some stuff off the field and what he likes to do. So without further ado, let's get to our conversation with the one and only G.J. Kinney. Well, we're really excited to have new Texas State head football coach G.J. Kinney on the podcast. G.J., thanks for joining us today. I appreciate you having me. Well, hey, G.J., you were named the new head coach at Texas State back on December 2nd. I'm sure it feels like a lifetime ago at this point, but uh, that was after that historic year at Incarnate Word. Uh, You no doubt received a lot of interest from other schools as well. Why was Texas State ultimately the right fit for you and your family? Yeah, I think for me being a Texas guy, getting to to stay uh, in the state of Texas, um, you know, growing up um, in the state, I always thought, man, that, that hill country area, San Marcos, New Braunfels, I mean, that's a, that's a gold mine. You got the river flowing through campus, 40,000 students, uh, you know, voted the number one college town in, in Texas. Um, it's, it's, it's hard to beat. Um, and I just, you know, if the right guy got this job, I knew it would be a, a very special place. And, and I, you know, I believe that even more now that I've been here for a couple months. Great to have you on, Coach. And you obviously 
built that coaching staff and had to put some several elite coaches together to make it happen. You brought some of your coaches from Incarnate Word, but also had some notable additions from some other schools. Walk us through that process of hiring that staff and maybe some challenges that come with that in the new modern age of college football. Yeah, I think, you know, it starts with the guys I brought over from Incarnate Word, both my uh, OC and DC, both did a really good job and uh, wanted to reward those guys uh, for the product they put on the field last year and, and uh, you know, having number one offense in the country and, and me and Coach Leftwich work very closely together and, and he does a tremendous job uh, with the offense and Coach Packey on defense led the country in TFLs, um, top of a lot of different categories and, and uh, you know, it, it's tough being a, a DC, uh, you know, the way we play offense, you know, we're so up-tempo and, you know, we'll, we'll score, you know, and two plays or, you know, go three and out and then you're back on the field. So um, they get a lot of drives and, and they do a really good job. They're aggressive. And, and, you know, when I was going through that hiring process the first time, uh, you know, Coach Packey really stood out to me and, and uh, just wanted to reward him and uh, brought all, all kinds of different people too. Um, Jordan Shoemaker, offensive line coach, run game coordinator, uh, Craig Stutzman, a guy that wasn't with at Incarnate Word with me, um, coming over from Utah Tech that previously been uh, a coordinator at Washington State and, and Hawaii. That was kind of our connection, the Hawaii connection, because I was the OC in 20 and, and he was there previously. And, uh, you know, heard a lot of great things from the player. The players always tell you the truth, you know, uh, on guys like that. So, um you know, we like to throw the football. Uh, he's been a, has a run and shoot background, um, so we're combining some of his thoughts this this off season. And uh, I studied them a lot when I got the job at Hawaii, and was fascinated with the run and shoot. And, and we do a lot of uh, very similar things on offense with all the our vertical choice, deep option stuff. So, um, you know, that receiver coach and that receiver position um, requires a lot of teaching. And um, once you get it, it it's you know, it's you can go and, and we play fast and all that, but it does at the beginning require a lot of reps and a lot of teaching. You know, coach, we, we see a lot of turnover in coaching staffs at this level. I know that I'm sure you're glad having a little bit bigger budget, you know, being at the FBS level here. But, you know, what challenges, you know, as a head coach, is it when when hiring these staffs? Yeah, I think, um, you know, when you have really good coaches like we do, people are going to try to hire them away. Um, and I, I I was recruiting coaches just like I was recruiting players through that process. Um going and getting more money, um, you know, talking to them about different situations and, and basically recruiting them, selling my vision for Texas State. And and uh, good thing is when you treat people the right way and, and uh, you create a great work environment, I uh, definitely take pride in that. Uh, you know, we're going to be around our families here. We're not going to be up here till one o'clock in the morning. Uh, we're going to get our work done, work, work done and get out of here. And uh, people, people uh, really enjoy that. I know their wives enjoy that even more so that's usually the uh, who makes the calls anyway yeah we all know you have to keep the football head co- or the the wives happy uh to keep the staff you know functioning at a high level let's jump into just some issues that have kind of plagued this program Kate and I are both on Twitter I know you are as well and you've probably heard about things you know I think the biggest one that we've heard um on the outside looking in was you know just those strained relationships with Texas high school football community the head coaches uh, we all know how much talent's in that state. What efforts have you and your staff made to kind of once again build those relationships and seek to bridge those gaps moving forward? Yeah, I think as soon as we got the job, we went out and, and started building those relationships, going out to the school and, and recruiting their players and, and calling them on the phone and, and me getting with the Texas High School Coaches Association. Uh, their headquarters are actually right here in San Marcos. Um, which is crazy. Um, so I've been over there multiple times. Uh, anytime they have an event, uh, you know, Joe Martin will hit me up and I'll go over there and, and, and bring a coach or two and, and uh, just go build those relationships and fellowship and, and get to know them because that's, that's what it's about. Um, just getting to know them and talking to them and 
And uh, we had a high school coaches clinic with a great turnout and, and uh, was able to have Lane Johnson out here for that, another Texas high school guy. And, um, so I think it's just about building those relationships and, and uh, communicating with them. And uh, so that, that part's been good. I mean, my dad's a longtime Texas high school football coach. I played here. Um, so there's not a lot of many coaches or, or many schools or cities that, that I'm not familiar with. So it, it's really a pretty easy transition, to be honest with you. There's no question there's a lot of talent in that state. And another way to get the recruiting up and helping in that is improving the facilities. And on March 22nd, the program received that $4 million donation that was proposed for the South End Zone Project. What do you see that donation doing for the program and how those facilities help the program in the future? Yeah, it's huge. I mean, uh, recruiting is a, uh, you know, it's an arms race and, and who's got the nicest stuff. And, and uh, so that's definitely going to help us. I feel like we, we do have nice facilities right now, but anytime you, um, you know, able to get a $40 million uh, end zone complex and, and what we're going to be able to put in here from a nutrition standpoint, a, a recovery standpoint, um, you know, the players lounge, the locker room, uh, the meeting space, um, how are you able to teach these young men is it all, it all comes into play. So um, very thankful for um, Don Coriel and, and president Danfus for, for able to get that, that done. And, and uh, it's going to be a really, really uh, great tool for us. Yeah, really exciting. I know the fan base uh, was excited. Now, you know, you're a head coach, so you have to be the diplomat kind of, but uh, you're also a football guy, so let's get into some football. Uh, you guys just wrapped up your spring camp. It was your first with this new program. What were some of your biggest takeaways from your squad's spring practice this year? Yeah, I thought, I thought the buy-in was really good. You know, anytime you come in and, and there's change, um, you know, there, there's, there's going to be some guys that get on board and some guys that, that aren't. Um, so, I think it's usually easier when you're coming to a program that hasn't won as much and, and uh, you come in with some some fresh ideas and some new ways of doing deals. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's, it's usually easier that way. Now you got to go out and prove it on Saturdays now in the fall. But I thought the buy-in's been really good. The energy's been really good. I thought, I thought offensively the tempo, um, you know, it's a big part of, of what we do on offense. I thought the tempo was really good. Uh, I thought the defense, you know, especially really early uh, on, really got after us. Um, I think the D-line is, is playing at a high level. Well, like we talked about, we led the, the country in TFLs last year at Incarnate Word for a reason. We, we create chaos and, and uh, we play in the backfield. And, and so that obviously that's going to transition a little bit into in our practices. So um, I, I thought overall it's kind of where we want to be. Um, still have a lot of work to do for sure, but I thought it was a very successful spring and we stayed out of it relatively healthy. And um, so that was a positive as well. Coach, I've been on teams during coaching turnover, losing a coordinator, maybe some position coordinate coaches, but never an entire staff. And I just I couldn't imagine it. What were some of the challenges with having to install an entirely new offense and a defense at the same time? And how did that impact your goals for this team looking at the spring heading into the fall? Uh, uh, I, it was it was relatively easy. You know, it's it's really what I've known as a head coach. Um, you know, we did the same thing last year coming into Incarnate Word. We had a new defense and a new offense. And. Um, had a lot of success. Uh, you know, one, one thing that I didn't get to talk about earlier were special teams. Uh, coach Daniel DePrado coming over from South Florida. He was the interim head coach. And one thing that really stood out to me uh, when I was looking at a, a special teams coach is, is when, when he got that job at the interim job at South Florida and you click on the, on the tape, those guys were, were playing maybe better than they did, uh, you know, previously. So I think that's a credit to him and, and how he prepares and the way those kids play uh, for him the way they played for him and the way they care about him. So 
Um, you know, obviously the X's and O's part was was a big part of it as well. But uh, Coach DePrado does an excellent job on special teams, um, and and that's going to be a, a big part of our successes on special teams. So uh, I think that that part this spring has been really good. Kind of take that off my plate and and let him kind of do his thing. So it was, that was really good to see. Yeah, it sounds like kind of all of the coaches that you brought onto the staff kind of helped make that transition, uh, you know, a lot easier. Uh, Coach, it still stands out to me in your your opening press conference. You promised that this was going to be a team that would light up the scoreboard. Uh, we saw what you did at Incarnate Word last season. Uh, give us a peek behind the curtain, per se. What should we expect to see from this Texas State team on offense? Yeah, we, we are... Um you know, a very unique offense, I think, with our splits. I think there's only a couple of different people in the country, you know, Tennessee being one of them. Uh, we're, we're, we use the whole 53rd and a third um, of the field, and uh, we're going to spread those guys out wide and basically play the number game with you. You, you, you put two high safeties out there, we're going to run it. You put one high safety and load the box, we're going to throw it. So it's not overly complicated, um, but uh, we make it go, and, and we play really fast and put a lot of stress on the defense, and we're also – you know, we'll change personnels and, and uh, you know, my background with, with Coach Malzahn, we're, we're definitely going to run trick plays and reverses and double passes and, and it's going to be an exciting brand of football. Um, you know, I think last year and, and uh, with Lindsey Scott, you kind of saw a different element with it, with his ability to run the ball. Obviously, we didn't run him uh, during the season a ton, but then once the playoffs started, um, you know, we really use his legs. And, and that's kind of something that, that's been used in this offense, you know, going back with with Gus, and, you know, with Cam Newton and, and Chad Morris, with Ch- uh, Taj Boyd and, and uh, you know, myself when I was at Tulsa. Like, those big games, those big moments, the quarterback's going to run the ball. So, um, you know, it's, it's important for us to – you don't have to have a guy that can, uh, you know, run it. You know, we're, we're not looking for a runner, but we need someone that, that can use his legs a, a little bit. It's a perfect transition, Coach, because you really can't talk about a mobile quarterback, I feel like, when you talk about this team without talking about Malik Hornsby. We both think he's destined for a big year. No, you still have a quarterback competition going on, but I just think he brings a level of athleticism that's just so different than anything we've really seen in the conference. Talk to us about his recruiting process and how you got him through the portal to come to Texas State. Yeah, I think for for me, it was uh, as soon as he got in the portal, I reached out and told him, you're a quarterback. You know, you know, I talked to him a little bit, then then there for you know a week or two, didn't really hear much, but still, you know, every day, you know, a couple times a week, hey, you're a quarterback, look what we did with Lindsey Scott. Um, you know, look at the offense we had last year, led the had number one offense in the country, sixty passing touchdowns, eleven rushing touchdowns, you know, just kept on putting that in his ear. And I know he tripped a couple different places. He came out with a couple different top schools. Um, and then some things kind of fell in our favor and, and he called me one night and said, Hey coach, you know, how's it going? Kind of, you know, one of those type deals. And, and so, um, got him out here and, and, um, you know, the, the rest is history and, and he's been, a, a you know, a pleasure to work with, um, big time arm talent as well. I think that's what, you know, he said that the other day in an interview is he came here to showcase his arm talent. Um, everyone knows he can run. Um, the, the speed is real. We put guys on the lasers, and, and so it's not a it's not a myth. It's not something that, that people just talk about. He is um, the fastest, if not one of the fastest guys on the team. Um, he's you know all all of six two and a half, six three. Uh, work on his his uh, nutrition. He's probably up to close to two hundred pounds, um, and he can really run. Uh, when, when when the play breaks down and he takes off, I mean, obviously we we didn't go live with the quarterback, but. Um, there'd be a couple of times where, you know, I blew the whistle and, and there's no way that safety is making that play. But, you know, one of those deals where you want to keep on, you know, 
the quarterback's not live. So, of course, the defense thinks they, they every sack, every play is a sack and every play is, a, a, you know, they tackle them. What we know that's not the case. So um, he's been awesome. Um, he throws the ball really well. He's caught on to the offense. Like talked about, it's a big numbers game. We put a lot on the quarterback um, as far as the, the communication process of um, getting the play to the receivers, getting the play to the running back, getting the play to the offensive line. And you have to do it um, really fast. you got to get your eyes in the right place um, on, on every play. Um, so he, the quarterback really makes this thing go. Um, he's done a great job with that. Um, so been very happy with Malik. And then you talk about CJ Rogers and other guy that he's battling with and, and, uh, had a great spring as well. And, um, as a guy that we actually recruited in Carnal word as well, he left Baylor. Um, we knew about him in high school, left Baylor. Um, we recruited him to UIW. Obviously he chose Texas state. Uh, so it worked out for him and we got to coach him and, and, uh, you know, he's, he's been another guy that kind of doing everything the right way. He's he's another athletic guy, big-time basketball player in high school and throws the ball really well, um, really, really smart, student of the game. And, and uh, you know, so they, they've had a good battle this spring and, and uh, you know, that will continue, you know, in the summer and kind of see what happens in fall camp. But like you said, uh, you know, Malik, with, it, with his ability to run, uh, you know, he, he brings a, another dynamic, another dimension to, to the – way we call plays and and the whole total offense coach I got to know and I'm going to follow up on what you said as soon as you got that phone call what did the Texas State coaching staff group chat look like after he said hey I'm really interested in your program oh it, it was it was crazy we have a lot of uh, Houston ties um coach Matthew Gregg and and Michael Gwynn both former Texas high school coaches in the Houston area and so they were very familiar with with uh, Malik and, and uh, you know, it, it, it was a game changer too at the time because you think about it, you know, it probably wasn't necessarily cool to come to Texas State. Um, and Malik, you know, once that kind of happened, it kind of changed some of our recruiting as well. Like, oh, former four-star guy, uh, you know, Army All-American, all the awards, um, back-to-back, you know, state championship appearances in Texas. So that was a big deal in the state. Um, it was coaching convention time. I, I wasn't able to go, but – um, got all kinds of, you know, texts, uh, you know, how, how'd you get Malik? How'd that, how'd that happen? And so it was, it was a great win, um, for us as a, as a new staff. Um, I think it helped with the buy-in with the current players too. I had a lot of current players on our roster, um, going, man, coach, you're in your bag with that one, coach. How'd you do that? Like, how'd you get that done? You know, so that, that, that was cool. Um, and, and we got some buy-in with the players and, and, uh, but Malik's handled all the, all the pressure and, and everything extremely well, and he just kind of put his head down to work. That's what you know. That's why I told him, you know when Dylan Gabriel left UCF to go to Oklahoma. When we get Malik in here, you know you talk to those guys. Hey, when, when you're the new guy, just come in and work. You know everyone know everyone knows your stats. Everyone knows what you've done before. Just put your head down and work, and and you know be yourself. But at the same time, people respect your work ethic more than what you say. Yeah, it you know, I think to that point, Caden and I the other day we put out an episode and it was kind of just talking about our top ten quarterbacks and he we had him sitting at you know about six right now with a chance obviously to jump up. On him, what do you feel like his ceiling is in this offense? Yeah, I think it can be really high. Um he just he's so dynamic with the ball in his hand, like we talked about and we didn't even really get to see some of it because we didn't let him go live. So you know, those twenty yard runs in practice could be sixty yard runs. Um I think for him is is just continuing to um, get his eyes in the right place, get the ball out on time. He's still relatively a a young quarterback. He hasn't played a lot of game reps. So obviously there's going to be some growing pains. There's going to be some things you work through. But, um, you know, with with his ability and and his arm talent, 
he's he's a, he could be a very special player, and obviously we got to go out there and do it. Switching sides of the ball, like I tend to do as a former defensive player coach, Ben Bell stole the show on the spring game. He had four sacks, a quarterback hurry. He lived in that backfield, and you've already talked about how that incarnate word defense was known for wreaking havoc in the backfield. Without giving too many secrets away, schematically, what leads to that? And looking at your Texas State personnel, how do you see that success kind of translating to the Sunbelt with this defense you have now? Yeah, I think a lot of it's the technique that they use and, and uh, with Coach Packey and, you know, it's a Manny Diaz-style defense that, that, you know, he's that was kind of his mentor and, and he's with him for uh, almost a decade. So um, that's just kind of what they do. The, we move the front. Um, we really let the, the linebackers play off the D-line. It's a, it's a D-line-driven uh, scheme. Uh, if you're a D-lineman and you're listening to this, Come to Texas State because you're going to have a lot of success. Both of our defensive ends last year at Incarnate Word were first-team all-conference for a reason. You know, they're really good players, but the scheme uh, plays into that. So, um, you know, Coach Packett does a really good job with that. And Ben Bell is another guy that kind of came in here and, uh, you know, maybe lived in his brother's shadows a little bit. Everyone talks about Levi Bell, Levi Bell. And I know he was a, a great player here and he killed the pro day and and, and all that. But, but Ben, I'm telling you, has, has had a great spring. Uh, another guy that's buying in off the field as well, getting his grades right and getting his nutrition right. He's really changed his whole body. Um, the way we're feeding these guys right now, um, that, all, all of that matters. Everything matters in, in college football. And, and uh, so he, he's had a great spring and, and it's, uh, you know, off the field as well, and it's kind of translating on the field for him. Hey, I won't make you confirm anything, but I did hear that Isaac Ukwu, the defensive lineman from James Madison, is in the portal, so maybe there's a, a phone call uh, that needs to be made after this interview. But, uh, Coach, we always love to ask coaches about relevant college football topics, and just last week, the NCAA approved new rules focused on shortening the game. Uh, the most notable was to have the clock run after first downs, except under two minutes. As someone who coaches at a high tempo, relies on a large quantity of plays on offense, how does this rule change affect your game plan, and were you for it? Yeah, I, I don't know if I've I've been able to really digest it and get enough information on it. Um, I just know probably the, the games aren't going to be as high scoring, so I don't know if I'm in, in favor of that, um, you know, just because it's going to shorten the, the games. And I've heard people talk about, oh, it's going to take away 15 snaps here, 15 snaps there. I don't know. I think it's going to be one of those deals where we just have to figure it out. Um, I just, whatever they tell me the, the rules are, I just go out there and, and go out there and try to score points. So I couldn't tell you one way or the other if I'm a fan, not a fan. Um, I just go out there and do what they tell me to do. Now, Coach, this Texas State team has been extremely active in the transfer portal since you took over, having around 20-plus new additions to the team. And there's been a lot of discussion about the pros and cons of the transfer portal. But when you are a new coach in a new program rebuilding your team, there surely has to be more pros than cons. How helpful has the transfer portal been since your arrival? And do you plan on still using it following spring ball and being active in this last April window? Yeah, we lost a, really, a lot of really good players really before I got here that went on to different schools. And, and uh, so the portal, you know, definitely takes guys from your program, but it also gives you the opportunity, especially this day and age and, and new coaches that, that you're able to uh, add some guys where, and the, I think the, the, the really the key is, is, um, you know, used to, you can only, those initials, you can only sign 25 per class where now you can, like you talked about, you can, uh, you know, sign up to however many you want. So um, you can, you can really get some guys in here that you, that you need and kind of address some of those issues. And, um, you know, that's, that's what we're going to try to continue to do. Uh, it's my job to, to put the best roster and the best product on the field that I can, you know, that to, to these, these coaches, the administration, these, these players that are here. So, um, that's what we're going to continue to do, and and uh, you know, see what happens. 
Coach, let's transition off the field a little bit here. Uh, we want to know some more just about you, some of the things that you do for fun outside of football. Uh, what are some of those hobbies or maybe unique ways that that you're able to recharge your batteries during some of the downtimes uh, in the schedule? Yeah, really, I, I hang out with my family. Um, I got two little ones. Um, my oldest one, Lincoln, is, is four years old. Uh, my youngest one, Cooper, is uh, just turned one uh, on Sunday. Uh, my wife, Summer, um, you know, I'm really just doing whatever they want me to do. We'll go on walks. Um, you know, I'll, I'll uh, be a construction worker. I'm a, a doctor. I'm, you know, all the, all that kind of fun dad stuff. Uh, we uh, we're going to Hawaii this summer, kind of going back out there, and where we coach in, in 20 and and uh, hang out at the beach. But I don't really have a lot of hobbies. I don't play golf. I just recruit and uh, on this phone as much as possible. And that's that's one thing I I really enjoy that like. I don't enjoy playing golf. Like I don't, if I'm out there playing golf, I'm like, man, I can be on my phone, you know, looking at a huddle film or, or, you know, talking to this recruit. I really enjoy, this is what I want to do. I, I enjoy recruiting. That's why when I was in the NFL, like it was fun, you know, coaching the NFL and, and not to saying I'll, I'll never do that, but um, I enjoy the relationships. I enjoy the, the competitive spirit. You know, obviously sometimes with the NIL nowadays, um, you know, some of these teams offering a million dollars and all that. No matter what kind of relationship I got with them, if he offers a million dollars, I'm probably not going to get them. So, um, but but I enjoy that part of it. I enjoy the the recruiting and and uh, that's something we're getting going here is the NIL, and I'm really really excited about that. Uh, we we just launched a, a new collective this past Saturday, and and uh, that's going to be a huge help for us. And whether you like it, whether you don't like it, we're going to do it. So you you got to do it to win. Um, and I'm all about winning. And uh, that's why I came here is to win. And uh, you need that NIL piece to do it. And, and luckily for us, we, we got it, we got it going and, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Well, our last question for you, coach, and this is one that we've usually used with student athletes and started now using recently with some coaches. But we just want to know if you were a baseball player, your walkout song, your introduction, what would G.J. Kinney's walkout song be if he was getting introduced? If it was his his debut, his journey, him at Texas State. What's going to be the song that's used to introduce G.J. Kenny? Man, uh, I, I'm not sure. Probably some kind of little baby. Put that little baby on. We're good. It, it don't matter. Just put the put the beat on. You ain't got to put no words. Nothing. Just just play that little baby. I'll be all right. Yeah, put that little baby on. Well, it sounds like uh, that'll definitely have to be. Uh, we might have to get with the marketing staff and get them to uh, to play that before football games. Well, Coach, uh, really excited to have you at Texas State. Thanks for. Uh, taking some time out of your busy schedule to jump on and uh, tell our listeners a little bit more about this program and certainly wish you the best of luck throughout the rest of the offseason. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Caden, in the preview of that interview, you touched on the transfer portal. G.J. Kenny knocked it out of the park during that interview, and it was particularly interesting to kind of hear him go inside that journey of getting our number one transfer, Malik Hornsby, to commit to Texas State. Yeah, and obviously Malik still has to win out that quarterback battle, but she can't help but get excited when you hear about our own speculations about his athleticism combined with now what we know from Coach Kinney about what he brings athletically to the table, how he's going to have command of this offense, and how he's really been a leader off the field and brought some new energy to this team as well. Caden, I have to admit, too, the Texas State fans have to be excited to hear him talk about his love of recruiting. It seems like it's a nonstop venture for him. And also just to hear about his prowess uh, with Texas high school football. I know that was something the program wanted to improve on. And it seems like with G.J. Kinney at the helm, that's going to dramatically improve and do it very quickly. 
Yeah, and it's funny because we talked to him off camera after the interview. And I said, personally, for me, coaching at the college level, recruiting would not be what I wanted to do. I would not want to go high school to high school, having to campaign and try to convince student athletes, young men to come to my program. But that's something he loves and he's passionate about and he's in the perfect state for it. So I, you have to think moving forward, a coach like that who has passion for the state, for the high school football culture there, being able to grab, maybe grab a couple guys who don't go to Texas, don't go to Texas A&M could be very promising, not only this year, but in the future for this Texas state program. Yeah, definitely have to agree with you. And Caden, I also thought it was interesting. He seems like a head coach that has really embraced this new era of college football. He talked about forming an NIL collective at Texas State. And as we've clearly seen, he's embraced the transfer portal. It really feels like he's set up for success and he might be one of the hot names in coaching moving forward. And it's interesting. It kind of relates to our conversation with Tim Beck. College football is changing. It's evolving left and right. It feels feels like month after month with NIL and with the transfer portal and new coaches that are now being put in these head coaching spots are faced with a different task than coaches were years ago. And it sounds like Coach Kinney is fully embracing that, like you mentioned, and maybe the perfect fit and the guy cut out for this opportunity and for the kind of next wave and evolution of where head coaching is going to go in the future. Yeah, definitely looking like a great hire by Texas State down in San Marcos. Well, that'll do it for this loaded episode of the Frary and Smith podcast. Again, we'd like to say a special thank you to Texas State Associate Athletic Director Chris Kuntz as well as head coach DJ Kinney for helping make today's conversation possible. Before you go, don't forget that we'll be back with the next episode of the Frary and Smith podcast on Wednesday, May 3rd. We'll give you an update on which Sunbelt athletes were selected in the NFL draft, where they went and what their outlook will be heading into the 2023 NFL season. Caden, we might even dig into some undrafted free agents uh, as well in that episode. That'll do it for us here at the Frary and Smith podcast. As always, if you like today's episode, Please like, rate, and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast. It really helps us and the show out. We'll continue to be here all offseason, keeping you up to date with all the latest happenings from around the Sunbelt Conference. So for Caden Smith, Richmond Weaver, and Brett Jemis, I'm Noah Frary. We really appreciate you spending time with us today. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon. Yeah.